You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, General Manager of the U.S. Market for Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform designed to help great agents leverage the power of verified reviews. You can find out more at ratemyagent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a, a different episode of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Because it is March, I'm going to be talking about colorectal cancer. As a survivor myself, um, March is an important month. In fact, in February 2000, President Clinton officially dedicated March as National Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. Since then, it has grown to be a rallying point for the colorectal cancer community, where thousands of patients, survivors, caregivers, and advocates throughout the country join together to spread colorectal cancer awareness by wearing blue, holding fundraising and education events, talking to friends and family about screening, and so much more, like dedicate an episode of their podcast. As a colon cancer survivor, I feel it's important to share my story and to let everyone know how simple it is to screen for colon cancer, how important it is. In fact, when caught early, colon cancer has a 94% survival rate, yet it's one of the top three cancer killers in this country. So getting screened, getting that colonoscopy, now at the age of 45, it's been dropped from the 50 that it was previously, it's down to age 45, or even earlier if you have a family history, is critical. It's so important, it's so easy to do, and two results occur. One, you're clean and ready to go to the next scope, or two, they find it early, it's treatable, they cure you, and you go on with your life. It's really a no-brainer. When I was diagnosed and when I underwent treatment, I kept a sort of a blog. It actually was on the Phoenix Real Estate Guy, Jay Thompson's blog at the time. And what I want to do today is read a few of them. I always go back in March and I reread what I wrote back in 2012 and 2013. And I'm not going to read all eight episodes, but I've picked a couple of them that I just want to share with you here just to give you a sense of what I went through. And remember, it's different for everyone, but what did I go through and how did I process things and and how much help did I get from all of my family and friends? Uh, so I just want to kind of give you a little sense of what happened there. The first post in the Phoenix Real Estate Guy is uh, was published on August 23rd, 2012. This is one day after I was diagnosed, so it was pretty fresh in my mind. And uh, the title of this post is three words you do not want to hear. So here it goes. It is cancer. Three words, three life-changing words. According to the American Cancer Society, there will be 1,638,910 new cancer cases in 2012. Break that down daily, and 4,552 people each and every day will hear those three words. Wednesday, August 22nd, was my day to hear those three words. Here's a look at my week. On Monday, I visit a gastroenterologist for my first colonoscopy. I turned 50 last year, so I knew this screening was necessary. I'd put it off, but at my annual physical a couple of months ago, Dr. D chided me for not getting it done. He gave me a couple referrals. I picked one and set up the exam for the first day of my vacation. I had heard all the horror stories about the prep work necessary, and I was not looking forward to it. Much to my surprise, the toughest part of the prep was no solid food the day before. I opted for Osmo prep pills rather than the chalky drinks no one seemed to like. 32 pills and a few trips to the bathroom, I was ready for my appointment. Other than the IV insertion, because I'm a bit of a needle-phobe, the appointment was simple. I was sedated just prior to the exam and woke up quickly in the recovery area. Propofol is an incredible drug. Dr. T came in to discuss what he found. 
two polyps were removed, and an ulcer was found in the sigmoid colon. He didn't think it was serious, but he grabbed tissue samples and one of them checked at the lab. He told Cindy and I he would call with test results in a couple of days. Everyone can remember where they were when major events occurred in the world. Reagan's shooting, the Challenger explosion, or the Twin Towers falling all bring back vivid memories of where you were and what you were doing. On a personal scale, the same thing happens. I will never forget answering the phone as I drove up the Gilbert Road off-ramp from the Southern Loop 202. It was Dr. T. We have the test results back, Dr. T said. I replied, okay. After a slight pause, he said, it is cancer. For me, there was no wave of fear, no feeling of nausea, no flood of tears. It was a desire to ask questions and find out what I had to do next. Fortunately, Dr. T did not feel I needed immediate treatment. His office was scheduled a CT scan on Monday. This is important as it will determine what stage my cancer is in, or to put it another way, if it is localized or spread. Then his office would schedule a surgery consult with a colorectal surgeon, and he said there will definitely be surgery. I mentioned my upcoming trip the following week with Cindy to New York for the U.S. Tennis Open. He insisted we go. Let's get the scan done before you leave, and we'll get you in with the surgeon when you get back. The lack of a sense of urgency was calming. I sat for a moment, deciding who to call first, my wife or my son. I opted to call Kev first since I wasn't totally sure how I would handle myself during the call and I wanted to practice with Kev before I called Cindy. It went very well and Kev, much like his old man, wanted the facts and details. The call to Cindy was just as smooth. What do we do next and let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's follow the plan, stay positive, and get to the other side. She left work to come be with me the rest of the day. I told her she didn't need to, but I'm really glad she did. So why is this post on the Phoenix Real Estate Guy? One, I know Jay. He likes stories about life as much as he likes posts about escrow. He also hates cancer with a passion, and I like riling him up. Secondly, this is a great platform to get the message out to all of you over 50 that have been putting off getting scoped. Why wait? Colon cancer, when detected early, has one of the highest cure rates. I've heard this many times, and I know you have as well, but I still waited over a year to get my colonoscopy done. If you're reading this and under 50, think of family and friends that need to get screened. Ask them to go get it done. Finally, I would like to let everyone out there know one more thing. The three words that matter most to me right now, I will win. The next post I want to read is called My Top 10 Takeaways from Colon Cancer Surgery. This is from September 26, 2012, and just a couple of weeks after my surgery. In last month's post, I described my feelings and experience when you hear the news that the diagnosis is cancer. Since then, I have had a colon resection, or in regular speak, they cut out about five inches of my colon to remove the affected area and then reattach the two ends. Colon, good as new. Below is my top 10 list of takeaways as a surgery newbie. Yep, 51 years old and I've never been admitted to a hospital before. For some of you, my list may seem obvious. For any surgery virgins out there, keep this handy for your inevitable first time. Number 10, the surgical staff at Banner Desert Hospital is awesome. I have no other staff to compare my surgery and recovery crew to, but I can't imagine there's a better team out there. From check-in to pre-op to recovery, they were amazing. Number nine, let the student nurse insert your IV. While getting prepped for surgery, the nurse introduced me to Melanie, a nursing student from ASU. Go Devils. The nurse asked me if I minded if Melanie inserted my IV. I hate needles as much as anyone, but I figured why not get a little good karma working my way and let her practice on me. 
Other than a little blood that spurted on her and the floor, she did a great job. Number eight, phlebotomists are modern-day vampires. No one told me how much blood is drawn during a hospital stay in recovery. I made it to my hospital room at 8 p.m. on Friday, and by midnight Monday, no less than 12 blood draws were taken. Worst of all, it seems that most draws occurred between 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. Why that time? Easy. The phlebotomists are vampires. A vial for the lab, a vial for them. Combine that with the insane number of draws, and it makes perfect sense. Number seven, extending your elbow during a blood draw makes it way easier. While I'm on the topic, one kind, gentle, middle-aged, non-vampire phlebotomist gave me a great tip about keeping my arm as straight as possible during the draw. It was amazing how much it helped. I will forever remember her tip and attempt to hyperextend my elbow every time a vampire phlebotomist comes near me. Number six, walks around the nurse's station can get competitive. Regardless of how much you hurt, if another patient is taking a walk at the same time, you become possessed to complete your lap faster than them. It just happens. Number five, time can stand still the first few days after surgery. This one is unreal. A large clock is across the room from your bed. It is not your friend. I would wake up, look at the clock, and the time was, say, 1.15 a.m. I would fall back asleep into what felt like a deep sleep and then wake up, look at the clock, and the time was 1.20 a.m. This happened more times than I can remember. Number four, hospitals are for sick people. Get out and recuperate ASAP. Enough said. Number three, much like building a business relationship, create bonds with the nursing staff. It helps. Why wouldn't you want a good working relationship with the people that can make you more comfortable? Banner Desert nurses were incredible. Number two, pain pumps rock. As soon as I was able to understand how the pain pump worked, it became my little friend. When the light turned green, all I had to do was push it for a little morphine into the drip. If offered, always accept the pain pump. And number one, there is nothing better than seeing your spouse come through the door. I told my wife prior to surgery that I did not want her holding a vigil in my hospital room. If I was sleeping, take advantage of the time to get home and get some rest or take care of things she needed to do. I told her I had round-the-clock care so I would be fine. However, to be honest, on the rare occasion she was not there when I woke up, I really wished she was. A quick update. My surgery was Friday, September 14th. Monday night, September 17th, Dr. Buckmeyer dropped by with the pathology report. He was able to grab 15 lymph nodes near the cancer site, nine tested positive for cancer. It only takes one. Much like I knew surgery was going to happen when I heard the words, it is cancer, after the colonoscopy, I knew immediately that chemotherapy was the next step. No ifs, ands, or buts. That process starts this week with oncologist appointments. I will be interviewing at least two, maybe more. From my doctors and cancer survivors I've talked to, I'm looking at treatment that lasts something in the six-month range. Bring it on. The next post I want to share is really what it was like uh, the first time in the infusion center, getting that first of 12 um, every other week chemotherapy treatments. This is from October 23rd, 2012. Let's do a quick recap. August 20th, routine colonoscopy because I'm 51. Find a lesion, sent to lab for testing. August 22nd, doctor calls and says, it is cancer. August 29th, take wife to U.S. Open, New York City for our 25th anniversary because doctor said it was okay to go. 
September 14th, get colon resection surgery to remove cancer and part of my colon. September 17th, told by surgeon it is stage 3B cancer and I will need to see an oncologist. October 18th, get PET scan, positron emission tomography with radioactive sugar water. October 19th, get power port installed in my left chest. That brings me to today, October 23rd, my first of 12 therapy treatments to rid my body of cancer. I know it is chemotherapy. I also know everyone calls it chemo. I'm choosing to use the other part of the word and call it therapy. Why not? Cindy and I arrived at the doctor's office for my 10 a.m. appointment. First, we meet with Dr. Mendonca. She confirms the PET scan did not show anything abnormal, which is good. A quick look at my surgery scars, and we head on over to the lounge. It is filled with patients. One woman is knitting. Another woman is sleeping. Many are reading. I do not see a single laptop until mine comes out of the backpack. Really good Wi-Fi and lots of power. It will be easy to get a lot of work done here. As a newbie, it's easy to spot the veterans. They arrive, grab a seat, and easily strike up a conversation with the nurses. That will be me soon. The nurses here are awesome. They sit and visit patients, discussing their treatment or asking how their family is doing. I'm going to like it here. Diane, one of the nurses, comes over to say hi and get my therapy started. A special needle is jabbed through my chest into the port. Just a little pinch and it's in. Cool. I will have this connected to the port in my chest for 48 hours. More on that later. First, I receive a couple different medications to help with nausea. After that, it's time for part one of my cocktail. It's a combination of oxaliplatin and leucovorin. It takes a couple of hours for this part of the treatment. Part two has to be infused slowly. That's why I have to stay connected for 48 hours. It's a drug called 5-FU or fluoracil. This requires a pump or party ball, as the nurses call it, to be installed. This rubber ball will be attached and pump 5 milliliters an hour into me until empty. Cindy and I are still trying to come up with the right way to carry this around. One suggestion from Lou in Idaho is to get a chalk bag from REI. They are used by rock climbers and they connect to your belt and are the perfect size for the pump. Lou knows this because she went through the exact same therapy treatment a few years ago and is still cancer-free. Two days later, I return to the office to have the empty party ball removed. The above therapy will happen 11 more times. Every other week until we are done. It looks like I will get a break Thanksgiving week as no one will be around on Thanksgiving Day to remove my party ball. I'm fine with the week off. The toughest part of therapy is yet to come. I've discussed the side effects with Dr. Mendonca and the nurses in the lounge. No hair loss, but maybe some thinning. I can handle that. Possible nausea, but with today's meds, it is totally controllable. Neuropathy is highly likely. Tingling, numbness, sensitivity to cold, or even pain in the hands, feet, Arms and legs are the main symptoms of neuropathy. There is also an overall malaise that many people experience on this regimen. Everyone is different. I like knowing what may or may not happen. I also believe a positive attitude can make a difference. It really is a simple choice, like choosing to call my treatment therapy. This is the final post I'm going to read. If you want to catch the other four, I'll have links to them in the show notes so you can go through the entire process. I've had a, a few people ask me about what it was like when they, when friends of theirs or family have had a positive diagnosis, and I share this every time. The protocol is still relatively the same, and even though everybody experiences these these drugs in a different way, I think it helps to just get an opinion or a take on how um, how the process went. But this was my final post, and uh, the final treatment occurred on April twelfth, um, twenty thirteen. And this is about a month later on May 14th. 
title for this post is Elephants, Ants, and Gelato, May 14th, 2013. Finally, my therapy is complete. I have no more dates with the healing orb, no more accessing my port, no more lost days. I do have many things to come, scans every three months for the next year, a colonoscopy in September, a return to my regular exercise routine, and hopefully a dramatic change in my diet. All stuff I am ready and prepared for. Eight months ago, the process I just finished seemed overwhelming. How do you do it? How do you eat an elephant? Most of you know the answer, one bite at a time. That philosophy was key for me and my family. Don't get too far ahead of things. Stay positive. Don't worry about things out of your control. One bite at a time. Oh yeah, and rely heavily on support from your army of ants. You know the ones. The ones that think they can move that rubber tree plant. You all know who they are. Your comments, calls, drop-bys, thoughts and prayers were critical in keeping my attitude moving in a positive direction. I really wish I could name everyone that had a kind word or a hug or had a surprise show up in the mail or sat with me during a treatment or, well, you get the picture. As I've said in past posts, thank you for all of your help. I do want to name Dr. Doberson. He is my family practice doc that told me last summer to get your colonoscopy and I won't do the prostate exam. Three weeks later, getting scoped quite possibly saved my life. Early detection is the key for colon cancer and a colonoscopy is not nearly as bad as it sounds. Do yourself and your loved ones a favor. If you're 50 plus, get scoped. If there's a history of colon cancer in your family, get your colonoscopy earlier. Check with your doctor to determine when your exams should begin. So why do I mention gelato in the title of this post? I had to give up gelato, more specifically frost gelato during my treatment. Neuropathy made it impossible to eat or drink anything cold. Each treatment put me another week closer to the moment I could visit frost for my Alpen caramel tiramisu combo. Last week, that moment arrived. I felt like Norman cheers as Cindy, Kev, and I walked into the shop. Hugs from the owners and lots of questions about how I was doing. More importantly, I enjoyed my first gelato in nearly six months. Having something as minor as my next gelato helped keep me going. My friends and colleagues from Phoenix and around the country were also important to my successful completion of my therapy regimen. Finally, my family was crucial. They took care of me, sat with me, put up with me, and my down moments, and shared in my successes. Thank you for accompanying me on this journey via the Phoenix Real Estate Guy. Thanks, Jay, for sharing your platform. And I would like to ask for one more favor. Do not be afraid and get your checkup. If the worst is found, attack that elephant, rely on your ants, and find your gelato that keeps you moving to your own personal finish line. By the way, I'm here, and I would be honored to help. This is eight years ago that I wrote these words and I am still here and, and really honored to help anyone who has questions about this process, about this disease. And I don't want to preach. I don't want to sit here and tell people what to do. I just want you to know that it's not as difficult as it sounds. It's a simple process and it can save your life. And uh, I know that there are many loved ones in your life who would love for you to take those steps. So with that, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for uh, letting me have this moment on the podcast. And uh, we'll be back next week with a, a regular episode with an interview of another with another industry leader. Uh, but until then, thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash RE Sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to The Real Estate Sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. 